Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work, and you can find out more. Give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today. As usual, on Monday morning, we'll be talking about current global affairs with uh, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll also visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of several murder mysteries. It is January the 23rd, and on this day in 1556, an earthquake in Shanzai, China, killed an estimated 830,000 folks. Counting casualties is often imprecise after large-scale disasters, especially prior to the 20th century. But this disaster is still considered the deadliest of all time. The quake struck in late evening, with aftershocks continuing through the following morning. Later scientific investigation revealed that the magnitude of the quake was approximately 8 to 8.3, which is close to the strongest tremor on record. However, the quake struck in the middle of a densely populated area with poorly constructed buildings and homes, resulting in horrific death tolls. The epicenter of the earthquake was the Wee River Valley in Shenzhou, Providence, Every single building and home collapsed, killing more than half of the residents of the city, a number estimated in the tens of thousands. It was a similar story in uh, other provinces as well. In some places, 60-foot deep crevices opened in the earth. Serious destruction and death occurred as much as uh, 300 miles away from the epicenter. The earthquake also triggered landslides, which contributed to the massive death toll. Even if the number of deaths caused by the Shanghai earthquake had been overestimated slightly, it would still rank as the worst disaster, natural disaster in human history by a considerable margin. That happened in 1556. Unbelievable. <clears throat> Well, a Saturday memorial uh, for her sister, Lynette Diamond Hardaway, Silk took the crowd, uh, told the crowd of supporters, including President Donald Trump, that the vaccine may have been a factor in her sister's sudden death. Silk then called for, an, called for an investigation. There's something going on, Silk described. Her sister died suddenly and how she tried to save her. As soon as the diamond hung up the phone, she said to me, I can't breathe. It was sudden, out of nowhere, and no warning. I got her to the kitchen table, opened up the back door so that she could get a little, some fresh air, and each breath was less and less and less until her eyes became a stare. My husband and I followed the 911 instructions from the lady. We later, uh, like they told us, to lay her down flat and said, do CPR, and it was one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. My husband and I alternated and kept going and going and going until the emergency truck came in the yard and the EMS came into the house. They did everything they could, she said. So what I want to say is that everybody is, don't tell you, call me a conspiracy theorist, because I saw it happen. I saw just how it happened, and I was there, and it happened, and it happened suddenly. I want America to wake up and pay attention. Something ain't right, she said. It's time to investigate what's really going on here and get some answers to why our people are falling dead suddenly, and it's happening to so many. Silk then on to say, instead of asking if Americans are vaxxed or unvaxxed, the real question is, are they being poisoned? That is so interesting and so absolutely true. Ed Dowd is a uh, hedge fund manager. He used to work with BlackRock. Uh, he's a very bright guy. He's got a huge staff. And he's been looking into this, and he made the following comments. I think this is on uh, the war room, but I'm not exactly sure. But uh, listen to this. And I intentionally left out the who and the why because I don't have any proof. But what I do have proof of is sudden, uh, sudden deaths, uh, all-cause mortality shifting from old to young in 21 and 22. I have statistics that show that the employed – of our country have had worse health uh, outcomes in 21 and 22, which should, normally shouldn't happen, should be inverse. You should be healthier if you're showing up at work than the general U.S. population. So at the very least, I prove that something horrible is going on, but no one seems to want to talk about it. And you have to ask yourself this question, why? And if you don't believe me, I, I, I QR code everything. I uh, use my own data. I use 
uh, publicly available sources like the Society of Actuaries, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. These, this is not, you know, a dude on the internet. This is a, this is a guy with uh, experts behind him. I have two PhD physicists. I have insurance executives, insurance whistleblowers. You know, we have it all, and the evidence is there. And I went to go see Senator Ron Johnson in December, and I said, "We have a national security crisis. The employed of our country." are dropping dead and getting disabled at a rate that is, that is beyond the general population. I blame the vaccines. If it's not that, then what is it? And why are we talking about it? So at the very least, let's assume I'm wrong, which I'm not. Let's say I am. Why are we talking about this? What is going on? And I, I rest assured this. If the sudden uh, deaths we're seeing were occurring in the unvaccinated, this would be on the, every news channel 24-7. But it's not. That's all you need to know. Again, Ed Dowd, former uh, portfolio manager. And those, those words are so important. I mean, uh, Diamond, clearly her life was celebrated because she contributed a lot to society and she was a, had some fame. But uh, many lives are being lost right now. Some are anonymous and we don't know who they are and we don't pay attention. But it's still a, a terrible crime. I hope we'll take Ed Dowd's uh, challenge seriously. We need to look into this and find out either through uh, congressional committees, no matter how we do it. But somehow, some way, we've been misled uh, by our government, by the CDC, by the FDA and just so many others. And uh, my opinion, a lot of this information is false and uh, it's it's causing real problems and major deaths. <clears throat> well, Governor Ron DeSantis announced that Florida's unemployment rate dropped to 2.5 percent in December, an historic low last reached in 2006, demonstrating that Florida's continued to grow and recover after enduring two hurricanes in late 2022. Florida's private sector in increased employment increased by 425,000 jobs over the year, and Florida's labor force grew by 3.5 percent, more than double the national average of 1.6 percent. Florida continues to outpace the nation and withstand negative headwinds due to federal policy, said Ron DeSantis. And I look forward to build, uh, building off of our success with record tax relief in the upcoming legislative session. That's a nice promise. The education and health services sector gained the most jobs, adding 9,500 over the month, followed by trade, transportation, utilities. Florida's population increased to 22.2 million folks in 2022, maintaining the state's status as the third largest in the nation behind California and Texas. Florida also experienced the largest net migration in 2022, ranking the fastest-growing state in the nation with a growing rate of 1.9%. Florida is ranked uh, second among all states for numeric population growth over the year, gaining 416,000 folks. Nearly 65,000 New Yorkers traded in their state driver's license for a Sunshine State equivalent in 2022. 65,000, according to data from the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. The number of New York arrivals, first reported by New York Post, breaks a record set the previous year with roughly 62,000 New Yorkers took the trip down I-95. <clears throat> New York has uh, joined a host of predominantly blue states, including California, New Jersey, and Illinois, that have lost tens of thousands of residents in Florida since the start of the pandemic. Well, you know, there's no mystery to why this is happening. It's a better place to live, more freedom, and certainly lower taxes, lower cost of living. Uh, this the every... Uh, every state is a peach tree t dish in terms of uh, experiment with democracy and our republic. And of course, right now, I think we're demonstrating that Florida is the place to be. Well, the White House on Friday expressed incredulity at a recent decision by the state of Florida to ban the instruction of uh, AP African American Studies. The board, State Board of Education determined that the content of this course is inexplicably contrary to Florida law and significantly lacks educational value, according to The Hill. Florida bans the teaching of critical race theory. It is incomprehensible to see the ban on this book uh, or this block 
to more specific, the, the DeSantis has put forward, said the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, per the outlet, they have banned more books in schools and libraries than almost every other state in the country. And let's not forget, they didn't block AP European history. They didn't block music history or art history, but the state chose to block a course that is meant for high-achieving high school students to learn about the history of art and culture. Well, you know, just because it's called black history doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't have poor content. And that's exactly what the problem is here. And this is just race baiting from the... Uh, from the speaker, from Jean-Pierre, Florida uh, Republican Governor Ron DeSantis and his administration have prioritized removing woke elements from the state curriculums and have long clashed with national Democrat figures over educational policy. Under DeSantis' leadership, Florida has pressed both the Stop, Stop Woke Act to curtail the discussion of CRT as well as the parental rights in education law, which strictly prohibited discussion of gender and sexuality in public schools. So these books that uh, they talk about having banned here in Florida schools have to do because they have uh, sexually explicit content, pornographic materials, uh, CRT. These are the books that are being outlawed. There's nothing wrong with talking about critical race theory, as long as it's talked about a concept in the context of history. But to promote it and to teach it, that is wrong. And that's exactly what's been happening with uh, this theory. So <clears throat> the course, I haven't reviewed the curriculum for the uh, African-American studies, but I can assure you that it wouldn't be banned if it, talked, if it taught strict black history and uh, didn't teach uh, the other concepts that are denigrating the white race or teaching critical race theory. Well, federal investigators found more classified materials during a search of President Joe Biden's Delaware home, with some dating back to his years in the Senate. Uh, Bob Bauer, the president's newly acquired personal lawyer, said the Justice Department took six documents marked classified and some of Biden's notes during the uh, Friday search that lasted 13 hours. The department uh, took possession of materials it deemed within the scope of its inquiry, including six items consisting of documents with classification markings and surrounding materials, some of which from, were from the president's service in the Senate and some of which were his tenure as vice president. That I continue the search. You go through every room and every property in the, that Biden has, and I think they're continue, uh, considering doing that, which is a good thing. Uh, this is serious business. He did not have the right, the president of the United States has the right to remove documents and declare them unclassified. The vice president did not. These documents have been roaming around for six years and uh, in various places in the office of the University of Pennsylvania. It's all shocking and uh, all needs to be reviewed. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by InternationalHealthPlans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, you should look into uh, InternationalHealthPlans.com. Most health insurance plans don't cover international travel, and you can travel with confidence by looking into InternationalHealthPlans.com and making sure you have coverage before you travel abroad. Coming up, we have with us Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. It's a multimedia website, good for kids of all ages, including you and I, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. For the last, I don't know how many years, 15 years, we've been talking about current global events on Monday morning. Let's start off with China. Absolutely, Bob. The big news from China is demographics. And the news earlier, I mean, last week, was the fact that the Chinese for the first time reported, A, that their population had actually dropped, and B, that their birth rate uh, was 1.1 something overall and lower than that in the main cities. Now, what does that mean? It means a couple of um, things for China. Number one, we've been talking a while about the fact that more people are retiring in China than are entering the workforce. Well, that's been accelerated at this point because... Uh, the one child per, one child per family uh, clearly decreased the, the population growth. Um, but at this point, with the population dropping, at 1.1, you start having precipitous drops in population because uh, a replacement drop a replacement number is 2.01 or 2.1 because uh, some obviously, some, unfortunately, some children die you know, over a period of time. So um, if you have a birth rate below that means your population is going to drop. Now, a lot of Europe, Western Europe particularly, the population, the birth rate is 1.6, 1.7, 1.3. In Japan, it's like 1.2. In the United States, I think it's 1.8 at the moment. Uh, but 1.1 is unheard of. And what's even worse for China is, is the fact that uh, in the big cities, it's way below that. So I've never heard of a, of a number of 0.79, which I think is a number now in China. Wow. In terms of, and so th- th- that's a terrible, terrible number for population growth or, or just the opposite. And add to that, now I, I don't know how that works into the statistics, but supposedly there are 20 million more men than women of childbirthing age. So the the numbers that I just gave you are a number of, of um of children per per woman, but if you take in the fact that also 20 million men who will probably never find a mate, mm-hmm. or certainly not one they're going to have children with, uh, you have a, a demographic bomb that is basically going off at this point. Um, so this has tremendous impact um, in terms of the ability of a country to grow, or, or obviously the opposite effect. Um, it's a tremendous burden because people are getting older and you need young workers to support older workers. I mean, um, and, you know, we see that, we can see that it also militarily has a tremendous impact. We look at Russia, having, which has also had for the last 10, 15 years a very low birth rate, and we see the difficulty they're having in terms of, actually 20 years, in terms of getting enough people to, to draft. Um, to some extent, Ukraine has the same problem. Yeah. Uh, but, that's really a real problem. The United States, over its history, has not had the problem because of immigration. Immigrants, first of all, 
actual immigrants add to the population, obviously. If you bring in a million immigrants, you've added a million people, so that's always good. Plus, immigrants tend to have more children. Right. First generation and second generation immigrants have more children than other people, and so therefore that helps the population. Um, we're a little bit down. The Trump years, there was obviously a huge drop in immigration, COVID also, um, but now it's, a, now it's up a bit. Um, but clearly demographics, to some extent, are destiny, unless we're going to replace everybody with robots and AI, that's also possible. But then, you know, we'll have four people controlling the world. So, Mark, you know, I, I had an opportunity to look at some of this information as well, and I was impressed by the statistic that uh, correlates the drop in the number of kids per woman uh, with uh, the migration to the cities. Right, well, that, absolutely, because migration to the cities meant, <clears throat> generally means A, for jobs, and B, obviously, the people in the cities tend to be more educated. Uh, and working women, <clears throat> especially in those circumstances, um, have less children. Also, it's more difficult to bring up children. Think about it for the moment. Migration to the cities basically means a young person leaves his small town in the middle of interior China, moves to the city. When he or she together have a child, um, there's no extended family to take care of that child. Mm-hmm. And so, as we all know, you know bringing up <coughs> children without, without an extended family is difficult. So people have less children when it, they don't have the extended family to support them. So that's another factor. And, of course, um, growing up on the farm, uh, you, when you have more kids, you have more workers, cheap labor. <laughs> right. And, and yep. then uh, all of a sudden moving into the city, kids become uh, uh, an increased financial burden as opposed to a product of producti- or a, a factor of productivity. Right, absolutely. I mean, children are much more expensive in the city in, in that sense. Uh, you know, once upon a time, we'd send the kids out to work in the sweat sweatshops. Think about New York in the yeah. turn of the century where you had 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds. And think of the Triangle uh, Shirt Fire in New York, and I think it was 1903, when girls who were 14 and 16 were working in this, those factories. Um, so, yes, we don't, we don't do that anymore. I don't even think the Chinese do that, quite honestly. And so it's a tremendous burden. And now the Chinese, you know, you had a mindset in China, starting with the one child, which was, we need to decrease the population. The population is growing too fast. And now suddenly, to make that 180-degree term that, that we need to increase the population, something that's almost impossible to do. Now, Almost impossible. Th- these are alarming numbers, and yet it makes me wonder how this plays out in the future. It doesn't happen overnight, I don't think. In other words, it's kind of the boiled frog type of exper- experience. And uh, it just makes me wonder with the... Uh, totalitarian type of government that the uh, Chinese have, uh, what kind of changes do you think this might provoke in terms of politics and policy? Well, two things. First of all, it, does, it, it seems to be happening faster than we think. I mean, you know, we, we talked uh, last year or the year before about the Chinese real estate crisis, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we think about it now, if their population is dropping and they were building houses, what, is, what does that mean? It means there's no one to buy or rent the houses, which is why there is such a Chinese real estate problem because there's no growing population. You want to, you have to build when you have more people, right? Right. Uh, when people are moving in, if people are moving from different, you need to build. But if no one's moving in anymore, you have a real problem, and that's what we see. In the, so we're seeing that almost immediately. Look, we can be two, there's two parts to this. Long term, clearly this will weaken China. Unless, of course, people are, you know, I said this half in jest, but I still think it's a consideration. And a lot of people are going to be replaced by robots and AI, mm-hmm. you know, in the next 10 years. But that's, we'll put that aside for the moment because we really don't know where that's going. Uh, but it'll clearly weaken China economically. But then you get to the question, right, when countries are in trouble domestically, sometimes they tend to be more adventurous overseas mm-hmm. uh, because they want to show that they're still strong and central government and all that. On the other hand, you know, when you only have one child, as difficult as that to say, uh, when you go off to war and you have five or six children and, God forbid, one dies, it's a tragedy, but it's not the same as when you have only one child. Yeah. And people with one children, you know, one child are much less willing um, to let, you know, let their kids go off to war. As a matter of fact, um, here in Israel, where I am right now, there's a policy, if you're an only child, uh, you can't go into a combat unit unless your parents approve. Really? Yep. That's so fast. Only child, your parents have to 
sign off to allow you to go into a combat unit. And of course, that puts a tremendous burden on parents, right? In other words, you have a draft, you have to go to the army, okay, you can't do anything about it. But now a parent is forced to sign and say, yes, I'm willing for you to risk my child's life by being in a combat position as opposed to a non-combat position. Uh, Attic, if you need your question, I mean, how many parents say, yeah, go ahead and take them to a combat area? <laughs> I would imagine most parents... I would, would say probably about 50% because of the, the because of the communal pressure amongst the kids. <clears throat> wow. So their friends are all going to the combat unit. They don't want to be the one who's not going. I mean, today, of course, some of the kids want to and go into things like intelligence and cyber and all those type of things, which are considered you know important as well. But most parents, in the end, end up signing because of that pressure. So, Mark, such a fascinating it, it conversation. Said something about you know only children and what it means in terms of China. Yeah, yeah, such a fascinating conversation. We have so much more to cover. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and they know the policy. They prepare your elected officials to win in the legislature. And you can find out more by visiting the website, vfga.org. We continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. So, Mark, you're in Israel right now. As I understand it, there's many protests, huge protests against Netanyahu right now and uh, some of the policy changes he wants to make. Right. So the huge protests, the largest probably in 15 years, if not more, uh, 150,000 people took to the streets Saturday night. It all has to do with, quote-unquote, judicial reform, which is not really judicial reform. It's a change in the system that wants to uh, extremely limit the, poli- the the ability of the Supreme Court uh, to rule in any which way against the government and giving the government an automatic veto of a decision of the Supreme Court. So if the Supreme Court says an action of the government violates Israel's basic laws, the government just, with, uh, with a, a bare majority in the parliament, can override that decision and go ahead with whatever it wants to do. Um, and so, so, Mark, is, just a, a quick, quick yeah. question, though. Uh, that's true here in the United States, isn't it? If, in fact, there's a rule, ruling by the Supreme Court, the Congress could over could uh, no, a new there's law? no way for the Congress to override a ruling of the Supreme Court. It does not exist. Yeah. If you make a new no, law, the only, the, only, the only thing the United States, if let's say the let's say the the Supreme Court rules that the Congress has passed a law that violates the Constitution, right? That's basically what would be would be what we'd be talking about. The Congress can either change the law 
to meet whatever objections the Congress has, or they could try to put an amendment to the Constitution, and you know how difficult that is. Yeah, but those there are, I guess my point is that there are remedies like that uh, in the United States to... Uh, to no, there isn't, to the best of my knowledge. There, there's no remedy that's similar in the United States if the Supreme Court rules something... Mm-hmm. Congress can, or the and the executive can do nothing about it. There's no override possibilities in the in in the United States for a decision of the Supreme Court. I'll just take Roe okay. v. Wade, take Roe v. Wade uh, right now. Of course, the Supreme Court ruled that. Uh, uh, in effect, Roe v. Wade is out the window. So Congress could pass a law uh, uh, saying that. Uh, uh, abortion is uh, illegal if for 15 weeks or 20 weeks or whatever. So, in other words, to neutralize the Supreme Court decision. Right, but the Supreme, okay, but the Supreme Court decision, you have to understand something, the Supreme Court decision was not on a decision of the government. The Supreme Court, Roe versus Wade, was a, a test of a state law that banned abortion, uh-huh. and the Supreme Court said that that ban of abortion violated... Uh, women's right to privacy, which then became women's right to their body, and therefore Roe versus Word was decided saying that abortion was legal. So I agree with you then. Basically, the technical difference that we have right now is it's just saying if it's in the Constitution, there's nothing that, aside from amending the Constitution, nothing that Congress could do about it. Right. You can pass a different law. If, you know, if, if the Congress says this law, if the Supreme Court says this law is violate something, you can change the law, obviously, and pass yeah. it in a different way that would meet the, what the Supreme Court says. So this, this does not exist. To keep something else in mind, and this is why everyone is so concerned, is that there is no real separation of powers in Israel as there is in the United States. Mm. The executive and the, and, the, and the legislature, which is the Israeli Knesset, is really one, because the government automatically, ha- in order to have a government, you automatically have to have 61 votes in the parliament, mm. and in Israel, this parliamentary discipline, you can't vote against the government. Mm. On top of which, which makes it even more complicated, is the fact that it, none of the um, members of the parliament are directly elected. People elect a party. Mm-hmm. And by and large, who are in the party are decided by the party leaders. So you can't really vote against that. You, you don't have constituents. In the United States, let's say for the sake of argument, you are a Democrat in a very, very right-wing Republican district for the sake of argument, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to be very careful to vote to, to support things that would be upsetting to your constituents. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist in Israel. I so, like our system better. Our system is much better. The American system is much, much better. Yeah. Uh, Israel never had a constitution. It was one of the problems is it inherited a British system combined with a pre-state system and never really rethought. They didn't have founding fathers who had the time to rethink, you know, what it, what sort of system this should be. Remember, the United States didn't rethink um, the system it should have until after the Revolutionary War was completed. And when Israel came to being, it was in the middle of a war. And Ben Gurion, who was the leader at the time, said, "I don't, I can't deal with a new constitution at the moment." And he yeah. kicked the ball down the line. And sometimes kicking the ball is not a good idea. No, it isn't. And, uh, it is well. So, do you think they'll ever uh, consider developing a constitution in Israel? They're talking about it. In some ways, the current crisis um, brings it more to the forefront. The problem with the constitution is is the same problem they had in 1948. It's when you have a country that's uh, 50-50 religious. It's not exactly, but let's just take that number for the sake of argument. You get into the question of the role of God in a constitution, and those things get really difficult. And as we know, once you start getting involved in religion and government, things get squishy. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Difficult place to be. Mm-hmm. So, especially with the religious makeup in Israel. Right. Absolutely. But even in the United States, when you start getting involved in issues relating to religion, it's, it's very hard to compromise when your belief comes from a religious belief, right? Right. When your belief comes from a, from a, from a practical uh, or uh, ideological view, you can compromise on your ideology. It's pretty easy. But if you're religious, it's really hard to compromise on things that you believe in religiously. And that's why, for instance, the, the issue of abortion in the United States has been so problematic in the sense that it's very hard for people to compromise on that issue because people have deep-seated religious beliefs. And that's hard to, to compromise when you have that. You know, even libertarians are beginning to say that, you know what, uh, as evidence comes in and we're learning more and more about uh, when life starts, uh, 
you know, libertarians would say certainly women should be able to make their own decisions about their bodies, but there's another body involved, and the more we learn about that body, uh, the more we understand that uh, we need to protect those rights too. Again, I don't want to get into that discussion. My only point is that once you start getting involved in religion, it gets complicated. Yeah. So okay, so let's uh, let's do uh, move on though. Right now, let's move on to Germany and what's going on. So in Germany, it's a very interesting situation. Germany and all of the Allies have all pledged a tremendous increase in arms for the Ukrainians, including a significant number of offensive weapons, weapons that will allow them take to take the fight and hopefully regain the rest of the territory lost to the Russians. The one issue that's been problematic is supplying tanks, and the and the Ukrainians were very much want a Western battle tank. The only two tanks that are available in large numbers um, are either the German Leopard tank, which both Germany and Poland and a whole bunch of countries in Europe have, and, of course, uh, the American Abrams tank. America's been reluctant in terms of the Abrams, partly for technical reasons. I've heard it both ways, that it's a difficult tank to um, maintain. It requires a special type of, of jet fuel and all sorts of things like that. And partly, again, the same reason tank seems to be a, a flag, so to speak. You give a tank, you're committing something else. And that's really where Germany has been standing. They've been reluctant. Uh, they've been reluctant to allow third parties to give the tanks that they sold to the Ukrainians. But it looks like the Germans are about to cave and agree to it because the pressure is very high, both internally and in, in Germany. Uh, there's a lot of pressure to, to sell the tanks to the Ukrainians. And um, most of NATO is trying to push push the Germans. The Germans are a concern. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, so, so, what about the Ukraine itself? And, and uh, any update on the uh, battle between uh, Germany and Russia, or uh, Ukraine and Russia? It's been pretty static. I mean, there's fighting going back and forth. The Russians keep on trying to kill as many as Ukrainians in the cities and attack civilian targets, which has not had much of an impact. As we discussed last week, the fact that it's been such a a warm winter has completely eliminated uh, what Putin had hoped to be, which was to be to split the Europeans from the Ukrainians because they'd be freezing. It ended up being a very warm winter, and at this point, even if it got cold, it wouldn't make any difference. The stocks of gas in Germany and other parts of Europe are almost at 100%. Huh. So they could at this point make it through the rest of the winter, even if it became cold. And Of course, it doesn't look like it's going to do that. We're already almost towards the end of January. Parenthetically, uh, uh, last year we were concerned about the thaw of the uh, uh, in uh, Siberia and uh, the impact that might have. Right now, I think I read that the, uh, the coldest day on record occurred in Siberia. It was like uh, eighty degrees or a hundred degrees. I forgot what the number was, but it was really. really has that turned? I guess is the question I, I'm asking. Well, look, the weather clearly has been a little bit off the charts in any which way you want to look at it. Yeah. I mean, it's been a very warm winter. It's been a warm winter in the United States, too. Um, very little snow. Yeah. Um, so, who knows? Every year seems to be very different in very different ways. Um, That's the weather. You know, Yep, the weather. <laughs> it changes, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Again, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, multimedia website, great for kids of all ages. I hope you give it a, a look, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for have joining us. Have a great us. week, Bob, and all your listeners. You as well. Thank you, Mark. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. 
you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several murder mysteries. Right now, we're going to talk about some of the local news that's going on. And Vice President Kamala Harris omitted the light, right to life when quoting from the Declaration of Independence during her pro-abortion remarks on the 50th anniversary of the now-overturned Roe v. Wade Supreme Court case. She was in Tallahassee which is kind of an interesting story. She went there. She wanted to lead a march. Turns out that the city of Tallahassee turned down that request, and the University of Florida also turned it down. So she ended up at a private residence, which it's kind of interesting. She required that people uh, demonstrate that they'd had a vaccine before they were able to come to the event. Unbelievable. Anyhow, she spoke in Tallahassee on the 50th anniversary of Roe, the landmark abortion case that the U.S. Supreme Court overturned last summer. Here we are here today because we collectively believe, and you know, America is a promise. It's a promise of freedom and liberty, Harry said before quoting from the Declaration, which declares that the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are natural rights. However, Harris conveniently omitted life, as she quoted from one of the most important documents in American history. Not for some, but for all, Harris continued, a promise that we made in the Declaration of Independence that we are each endowed with the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. You know, this is just, I don't know who supports her with regard to her speech writing, but this is just a bad, this is a stupid decision. Here we are criticizing her lack of including life, and it's obvious because it's contrary to the whole uh, women's rights movement. To uh, what That's all about eliminating a life uh, in the womb. But in any event, uh, Harris's remarks in Florida became as Biden issued a presidential memorandum that purports to protect nationwide access to abortion through a pill. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill that makes abortion after 15 weeks unlawful, with exceptions for mother's life to prevent serious injury to the fetus. Uh, the Tallahassee crowd reportedly booed Harris after she criticized Florida's 15-week abortion ban. Uh, for me, I have no idea how she ended up in Tallahassee. It seems to be somewhat of a of an area that she, she probably should go to uh, Hartford, Connecticut or someplace like that. But she comes to Tallahassee, pretty clear that uh, she wasn't welcome. But uh, she, nevertheless, she continued. Well, yesterday it was reported that Joe Biden's White House Chief of Staff, Ron Klain, is expected to resign. And today, the Washington Post reported that Joe Biden is planning to appoint former counselor to the president, Jeff Zients, uh, to the chief of staff position. Zients, who served as counselor as well as the White House cor coronavirus response coordinator from January 2021 to April 2022, left the White House after steering the administration's COVID vaccination campaign. As reported by the Washington Post, he returned to the White House during his midterm season to aid Klain in managing staff turnover. However, according to four people familiar with the situation, Klain has re recently assigned Zients to projects aligning with those preparing to take on the chief of staff position. Uh, reactions to the news included uh, criticisms of Zients' COVID policies. 
According to Tom Fitton of Judicial Watch, he seemingly violated civil rights laws and the U.S. Constitution in leading Biden's White House operation to censor Americans through the big tech on COVID issue. That's so true. Obviously, this uh, uh, the policy was, remember the Biden saying, you know what, we're beginning to lose our patience and you better get uh, you better get uh, vaccined take the vaccine. Well, of course, all the reasons that he stated we should do that were not true. The fact of the matter is that the vaccine does not preclude uh, passing on the the, uh, virus to others, nor does it protect you from getting the virus yourself. So it's a a medicine, but it's not a vaccine. Uh, Vaccines actually protect you from the disease, and uh, the vaccines do not do that. Former uh, U.S. Speaker Newt Gingrich wrote a piece this week about the Biden crime family, the Delaware Sopranos, he shared. Watching HBO's The Sopranos can really help you understand the Biden family, he said. Between Hunter Biden's laptop scandal and the Biden's various shady private equity schemes from foreign fraudsters, it's not too hard to make the analogy. President Joe Biden is clearly the head of the uh, family. He has repeatedly exploited his public offices to make money. His son, Hunter Biden, is like the ambitious but dull son who wanted to inherit the family business but always screwed up. Some of what Biden's done is clearly inappropriate. Even most of what uh, they they have done is in the abuse of public office. Most of what they've done is simply secret. The best example of Biden's manipulation of the system for profit surrounds the Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement at the University of Pennsylvania. The center has given the Bidens remarkable access to Chinese Communist Party money. According to the reports in the New York Post, the university raked in a total of $54.6 million from 2014 to 2019 in donations from China, including $23.1 million in an anonymous gift starting in 2016. You know, Newt Gingrich is absolutely right. Not only that, but... Uh, it's reported that uh, how Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and some individuals from China, and at least one individual connected to the mafia in the U.S., met in Obama's White House at least once. It is the Biden crime family, for sure. All right, uh, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Luke Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social 
is a new refreshing social networking platform and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several murder mysteries and other books as well. Uh, Follow the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and his latest is No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure, Bob. I've been thinking about cars all morning. Uh, uh, my wife, uh, Rachel, and I drove from East Petersburg, Pennsylvania, uh, 700 miles to Valparaiso, Indiana, to see our new granddaughter. And um, I have to tell you, the traffic was extremely light coming and going. I bet you would, you know, although I envy your weather, <laughs> uh, it seems like all the northerners are down your end of the uh, of the country. So we had uh, little traffic here. And um, it got me thinking about how President Biden's policies on promoting electric vehicles and the uh, tax credits that will remain in effect for, for buyers until 2032 already is uh, distorting the auto market. Yeah. So for example, so first, yeah, I, I only I saw one Tesla on the, on the way back, a Model Y, and it's really a zippy car that uh, you know just passes through traffic like a, a, a needle through thread. It was pretty neat looking. Right. And I'm in I'm in my Mazda SUV, which is a really nice car, um, and it got uh, it it got me thinking that. Uh, Oh, uh, first of all, uh, Musk, Elon Musk cut the price of his Teslas so that they qualify for the new Joe Biden tax credits going forward. Huh. And, and so you see the articles uh, in Reuters and in the Wall Street Journal that this has confounded marketing plans for GM and Ford because uh, now Tesla's are priced lower than some of uh, GM and Ford's uh, upper upper models, and the Tesla has much uh, better features, and so it's going to uh, uh, make the rollout of these competitors uh, more difficult. Number one, hmm. uh, number two. The other thing is, if you're an early ad- adapter, uh, you tend to get burnt if you go out and buy. Uh, some new technology, you know, be the first one in line with a fancy new piece of technology. Uh, generally, you regret having purchased it because, you know, the following year there there are improvements. And, right. And so the same thing probably holds true with vehicles. So I think um, this will will do two things. First of all, first of all, the, the guys uh, like the Mazdas of the world who who are uh, gas uh, engine heavy are going to cut their prices of their vehicles and make them uh, competitive uh, with vehicles with a tax credit. So, so you know, that'll, that'll cause some competition for these new EVs. And secondly, I think people are, will be more inclined to lease an EV than to buy one going forward because of a fear of, um, you know, being left behind technologically in a, in a uh, that's an interesting years. observation I, I, I thought there was some controversy about the leasing an EV is that you may not get the tax credit you would if you owned it oh so well there's another complication that I didn't realize um, so the, um, uh, the the other uh, interesting thing is that um, there is another story in the Wall Street Journal about why is our gasoline prices so high in California versus the rest of the country. So when I was in uh, Indiana, the pump price was $3.39. I don't know what it is in uh, Florida. About that. Um, Okay. Uh, In Pennsylvania, it's $3.79 because the Democratic regime in in the state has put on these uh, gas taxes supposedly for highway improvements, which... Uh, Never happens. Yeah, you know, which, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but in, in California, the price of gas is, you know, dollars more than any place else in the country. And, and the conclusion is that, that, you know, the state's distortion of the market to promote EVs, you know, because it wants to be a uh, clean air state, 
have reduced the number of gas stations. And so that reduces competition. The dealers can charge more so that they have a more comfortable margin on their businesses because in the rest of the country where there is lots of are lots of gas stations the the margin on gasoline is very thin and so it's it's just uh, the um, california has distorted the capitalist system yep and has reduced com- competition among gas stations and that's forced up uh, prices so uh, yeah and there's no question you know, the uh, it, what's interesting to me i had a friend come visit and uh, he was he's living in California, and he he said that his reaction to the well the, the gas prices are high, but almost you know he just accepted it. I mean he under, he understood it and he accepted it, even though, uh, you know, he could save a buck and a half, two bucks a, a gallon here in, in uh, Florida. So, so here's another possible distortion, and I'm looking at myself. You know, I have a. Uh... I have two older cars. I have a, a 2019 uh, Mazda, you know, top of the line SUV that I bought, and I have a uh, 2014 Ford Focus hatchback that I use for fishing trips, and it's a, you know, it's a, it gets 40 miles to the gallon, uh-huh. and this tax credit remains in effect to 2032. So, assuming that gas prices don't go through the roof. Um, you know, why wouldn't I hold on to my cars until, say, 2031? Because, uh, you know, at age 73, I hope I make it to 2032. Who knows? So, <laughs> you know, so, so you know, why would I possibly be in a rush to buy? Uh, it's, you have to do the paperwork. Uh, according to Edmunds, the cost of operating a Tesla for fuel is $67 a month. Uh, versus two hundred and twenty-seven dollars for an SUV, assuming you know you drive mm. regularly, which mm. I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so you have to do the math. Uh, you know, will that electric energy cost remain stable or spike because we have all kinds of trouble with the grid? I mean, I mean, when you when you make a decision to switch from a gas car to an electric future. You have to wonder, is the future here yet? Uh, if yeah. I'm an early adapter, you know, am I going to plug in? Is the uh, grid going to go down? Uh, the other thing is software updates. When your car is updating, you can't drive it. Yeah. Uh, how long do they, you know, so it's complicated. It is complicated. And, of course, there's the unknown, too. I mean, uh, this uh, your analogy makes me draw the analogy of an old quote that I heard is that the definition of a pioneer is somebody that has his uh, arrow in his back and his face in the mud. (laughs) So so, uh, the point being is that sometimes you end up, uh, you know, starting out with new technology, whatever the situation might be, and you find out later that there's going to be improvements, or you find out, for example, that, whoops, we're going to reverse the the uh, uh, direction, and uh, we found out that the windmills and the and uh, the uh, sunbeams aren't going to do the job, so we're going to end up being reliant on carbon-based fuels. So, you know, a lot of things can happen between now and 2032. 20, 20, yeah, uh, now, I'm also thinking, should I invest in Tesla when it, when it, goes down again uh they report this week on the 25th yeah and and so i'm going to read the uh the their t- 10 q's and 10 k's uh, cover to cover i'm going to listen in on on that analyst meeting uh the more i read on tesla i think that it's it's a uh, driving software is probably lo- worth more than the cars and the, and the reason is tesla has about a decade of data uh, they're so far ahead of all the other companies that I wonder if they couldn't spin off a separate company and just license that data because otherwise it's going to take, you know, at least a decade, I think, for for other car companies yeah. to, to collect the kind of data Tesla has. Yeah, interesting question. Again, Jim McTake, former, we'll watch those earnings, by the way. I would, wouldn't be surprised to see a surprise on the upside. So, 
I always appreciate your commentary here in the show, Jim. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Bob. My pleasure again. And his latest book, No Problem. It's a great read. I've read all of his books, and they're really, really good. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for tomorrow, including Kathleen Pasadoma, the Senate of uh, the uh, president of the Florida State Senate. Boo Mortensen will be joining us. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. And Linda Harden will be with us as well. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>